Nate, I feel like we finally had some good college football news to talk about for the first time in a long time, uh, not just about Ohio State, but the national scene as well. We predicted that some chaos would happen towards the top last week. It certainly did. And just like that, the Ohio State Buckeyes have creeped back into the top 10 and currently sit at number seven after the big win over Rutgers. What? Oh, well, first of all, I, I never would have thought you'd say after the big win against Rutgers. Um, but I guess there's a first time for everything. But what, what team was that that we watched on Saturday? That, that's not a team that I have been familiar or acquainted with this, this season so far. Oh, yeah, no, it's insane. And, and I think it's kind of interesting because I, I would say that we've played Rutgers so many times and – it's been the situation going into it has been like we've been like a 30 point favorite, but this is the closest I would say that Ohio State and Rutgers have ever been since they've joined the Big Ten, which kind of made it a weird atmosphere like Rutgers actually thought they could pull it off. But I feel like we sort of stomped on their throat early and often. I don't know if you heard this, Mike. I, I thought this is pretty funny. Apparently, uh, you and I were not at the game, but apparently this was Rutgers homecoming game and there is a lot of hype just around this game at the thought of, you know, potentially upsetting Ohio state and leave it to the Rutgers athletic department. They had a major malfunction with like ticket scanning. And so there were like 5,000, probably more, maybe 10,000 fans stuck outside as the game kicked off. And by the time that it was resolved, the score was already 14 to nothing. That is hilarious. I mean, what did we expect from Noah Vedral? Um, I, I mean, we got to start by talking about CJ Stroud, right? Like his, uh, we sort of said going into it, you know, if, if we say that CJ Stroud was kind of unhealthy for the Oregon and the Tulsa game, you know, could it possibly be that uh, he could be even better than he was in the Minnesota game? And I think he was fantastic. He almost had as many touchdowns as incompletions in this game. He had a 99.3 QBR, which is essentially as good as Justin Fields was in any individual game over the last two years. I was pretty impressed by him. Man, he looked – you're you're absolutely right, Mike. He looked awesome. I, I, it felt like a totally different guy. It was, it was a little bit shocking because, you know, you're watching him and, and you're thinking, could a single week of rest, resting that shoulder, really change or move the needle this much? You know, you and I talked about this a week ago on our podcast. You know, could a week – of rest help his shoulder that much. And you said, Hey, if it's just an AC sprain or AC joint sprain, absolutely. And sure enough, he looked awesome. And, and, you know, I think it, it's not just that he looked good from a throwing perspective. I, I thought that he was making the right decisions with the football. It didn't feel like every throw was, you know, some sort of deep ball. He was taking what the defense would give him and he was letting his receivers go and make plays. But even with that being the case, I still think that we kind of need to temper expectations. I think in general, Ohio State fans are either like way too low on the team when bad things happen and way too high on the team when good things happen. I still think we need to see 
how CJ Stroud looks against better defenses. And it's unfortunate that I don't think we're really going to have that answer until the Penn state game because Indiana has looked pretty awful. And I thought Maryland was going to actually be Iowa. They sure proved me wrong. And, and, you know, they couldn't stop a nosebleed Iowa either. So I feel like CJ Stroud could totally have great games against Maryland and, and Indiana. And then all of a sudden when the pressure kicks up against Penn state, you know, we might be, uh, we might lose that game and be like, oh man, you know, we're right back where we started after the Tulsa game. Yeah, and, and that's certainly possible. I do think, you know, as the more I look at the schedule, the, the start of the season was tough. Um, you're a, a freshman quarterback. You've never played in front of fans. You've never thrown a collegiate pass. You're on the road against a decent Big Ten football team in Minnesota. And then you welcome a hungry Oregon team that, you know, Oregon doesn't look quite like what they did then. But that was a team that was out to prove something. Hey, the Pac-12's for real. We're, we're a force to be reckoned with. And so you start those two games. He's a little, a little bit dinged up, doesn't look very good. And then now confidence is waning. And so I, I think that plays a role. The, the great thing, though, is that he was able to get a little bit of confidence uh, against, against Rutgers a week ago. Hopefully he builds on that against Maryland this weekend he gets a bye week he can build a little bit more on indiana and then by penn state i my hope is that he's a confident quarterback and and can lead this team to victory um do you think that the the performance of kyle mccord and jack miller against akron albeit it was serviceable very very sound but wasn't jaw-dropping do you think that played an effect on cj stroud this past Saturday, just like, I don't have to worry as much as I, as I thought I did. I I think that Ryan day did a pretty good job in retrospect of making sure CJ Stroud had nothing to worry about because he made it very clear that CJ Stroud is the starting quarterback when he's fully healthy. You know, we're just playing Kyle McCord and Jack Miller for this game. So I think, I I think Ryan day and, and we were sort of skeptical of that right like I think we were saying hey this should be an open competition and I think if if Ryan Day had said it was an open competition then maybe CJ Stroud's confidence gets shook a little bit I I still don't know how I feel about that entirely I feel like we're kind of talking in circles here because CJ Stroud I want someone who is okay dealing with pressure right and I and Mm -hmm. and what you're saying yes it's important to build up his confidence but at the end of the day like if you're going to go up against Georgia and you're going to against go up against Alabama you have to be okay with pressure and, or, or even Penn state, you know, Penn state's defense is great or Iowa in the big 10 championship game. You know, we, we need someone who is tough and can, can be battle tested. And I, it's just difficult, right? It's just difficult to imagine whether Cedar Stroud's going to, going to be like rough enough around the edges. I feel like he might be a little bit like mentally soft. Yeah. I think that the one thing that's true with this offense, we're not talking about the, the Buckeyes as a whole, but with this offense, they're, they're only going to go as far as CJ Stroud can take them. Yeah. Um, and I say that because the, the offense is set up better than it's ever been. You know, we, we think back to the 2014 team with Ezekiel Elliott, Cardell Jones comes in big arm, and then we start getting Devin Smith over the top. Well, we have a running back who I can't believe I'm saying this, as a true freshman, may be at Ezekiel Elliott level, has potential that probably surpasses Ezekiel Elliott, at least in terms of hitting home runs. And, and then you have receivers, 
again, 2014 team receivers, solid. Michael Thomas, Devin Smith, Evan Spencer, Jalen Marshall, all those guys. But the receivers now, there's there's multiple first-round picks there. And so if if the defense starts to creep up safeties to, to take away Travion Henderson, C.J. Stroud should have a field day with Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jeremy Rucker. I mean, the, the list goes on. But it, it really is, like you're, to your point, Mike, it's going to come down to can he do that? Because I think what we're going to see is Big Ten play picks up. We're going to see defenses try to take Travion Henderson away. Because when you look at this team, he's the most surefire weapon at this point. I, that is just like seems like such a recipe for disaster if teams start playing a single high safety against Ohio State. Uh, I mean, right. I, I understand the I understand the thought of taking away Travion Henderson. He's averaging nine point four yards per carry, which is absolutely insane. But you know, you're just asking to get torched by uh, by the by the Ohio State receivers on the outside. So it'll be certainly interesting to see how. Ohio State's offense plays, but Nate, I don't look. CJ Stroud could be amazing, right? Travion Henderson can be amazing. Our receivers can be amazing, but I think at the end of the day, like what is going to determine if Ohio State loses three games and doesn't even win the Big Ten, or wins the Big Ten and makes the playoff? And you know, I don't know if we can beat Georgia or Alabama, but maybe wins a game in the playoff and, and makes a run is going to be the defense ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really does come down to this defensive unit. And, and I feel like they took significant strides against Rutgers. I, don't get me wrong. This isn't a Rutgers team that, you know, their offense has me quaking in, their, in, in my boots. And, you know, for as much hype as Bo Melton and Isaiah Pacheco get, they're not that great if we're, if we're being completely honest. They're not phenomenal football players. But Ohio State held them to the to 13 points, just like the University of Michigan did a week before at home. And, and one of those plays was a 75-yard, you know, kind of miscommunication between on-field players and the, the coaching staff. And so I, I think that this unit is taking a step in the right direction. My, my big fear at this point with this, this defensive unit, though, is still – and I can't believe I'm saying this at Ohio State, is the lack of pass rush specifically from the defensive ends. Yeah, and we're getting interior pressure too. I mean, let's just see how many sacks did we have in that game? We didn't have – we had one sack, and it was Tyreek Williams. Yeah. Which the, And it, it came at the end of the game. Granted, Rutgers was playing a style that was very quick passes to try and eliminate the pass rush. I think this week will be a better – test because Talia Tugavailoa likes to hold on to the football but still like you're saying one sack for Ohio State against Rutgers and it's in garbage time that's that's not great it's kind of amazing how we're getting we're generating like Tyreek Williams is 330 pounds and he's six foot three like those guys are built to stop the run um and yet he's leading this team in sacks as a as a freshman like you know he's he's (laughs) he's doing great no uh, don't get me wrong there, but yeah, if we don't generate sacks from the defensive ends, you know, I think you just, you have to pressure the quarterback. Right. And, and Alabama, um, I, like, I don't even know if we're ready to really be having the conversation of how Ohio State yeah. stops up against Alabama and Georgia. We, you know, we definitely have to put one foot in front of the other. I, and again, this kind of, it's tough though. Cause I don't think like there's another, the big 10 is just like, has entered a, 
a time machine. And besides Ohio State, like all the other Big Ten teams are back to like 2004 Big Ten, like three yards in a cloud of dust. They're all built on strong defenses, at least the teams at the top, you know, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, and Iowa. And they just have like offenses that take care of the football and don't turn it over. And, you know, with that in mind, I, I don't know what our I don't I don't know where our defense is going to get tested. That's what I'm saying. So maybe it is good that, you know, we we're playing offenses that are kind of handicapped a little bit. For sure. And I mean, like you said, we, we definitely have to take what's in front of us. But you even look at the at the college football landscape as a whole. Um, I, I don't have the same amount of fear about defending the pass as I did a year ago. And I, that's partially because I think that our secondary is actually pretty good. But the other part is I don't fear – I don't even fear Alabama, you know, a, a tenth of the, the way I did a year ago. Bryce Young, solid. Jamison Williams is good. Mechie's fine. But Waddle and Devontae Smith, that's another deal. And, and I don't – you know, I, I don't fear Georgia's uh, – uh, passing game. I don't fear Iowa or Penn State's passing game. I don't fear Cincinnati. Um, and so I, I do think that plays to our advantage. Um, and this team is, I feel like they're learning to stop the run. Yeah, that's true. I'm looking at Bright because if, if you were to ask me who on the college football landscape in general, what passing game scares me the most, I would probably go with Bryce Young. Um, and Alabama, and even when they played Florida, you know, he didn't have that great of a game. He was 22 of 35, 240 yards. It's only seven yards per attempt passing. So it's nothing, nothing crazy. Right. And I do think right. that the team is trending in the right direction, which is really solid. I think Maryland will be a better test for our pass defense than Rutgers. Um, and then I think Indiana will be a better you know, even though Michael Penix has kind of not been great this year, at least as good as he was last year, I think it'll still be a decent test. And, you know, Sean Clifford say what you want about him, but I feel like we will, you know, this defense will just be progressively more challenged as the year goes on. And I think it'll be, I think our schedule basically shakes out really well where it's backloaded with the ranked teams. So it'll allow our defense plenty of time to grow before we get a chance to really be challenged. For sure. For sure. I mean, would you say, uh, looking at the schedule right now, would you say is Maryland outside of a potential Alabama or something in in a, a college football playoff? Is Maryland, as it stands today, the biggest test against the pass or, or for us to defend the pass? Uh, I probably would have said that before last week. Uh, and the reason is like Iowa, first of all, definitely exposed them. I think Maryland is, I, cause I think if there's one thing that Ohio state has done decently well on defense is tackle in space. I think that they haven't been great covering and the way Maryland's offense is structured. It's a lot of like screens and then just try to block the guy in front of you and, you know, get the ball out early. Um, so I think that our, I think we schematically match up well against them because I think we have been doing a decent job like squirm tackling. And then the other reason why I'm not as scared of Maryland is because their best wide receiver, Dante Demas, who's, I think he was probably going to be a uh, first round pick or at least like a top few rounds. He dislocated his knee uh, in a really brutal oh, yeah. Iowa. So he's, that is someone that we don't have to worry about covering. So I'm not as scared about them. I would say that in terms of looking at our schedule, who scares me the most in the past game? Uh, 
maybe Purdue at this point. Is that crazy to say? Maybe Michigan. <laughs> and that's not even saying much either. Right. I can't believe you just said Purdue. Wow. Uh, I, I, it makes sense, though. They've got David Bell at least. Um, yeah. I, I don't know about you, Mike, but as I've watched this defensive unit, the, the guy that has stood out most to me – actually, I'm, I'm going to highlight two, and I, I think it would be good that we talk about them both a little bit because coming into the season, they were both kind of – there's some uncertainty around them, um, one being Ronnie Hickman. Um, you know, he was in a position battle with Craig Young for that bullet position, and I, I – you know, Ronnie Hickman didn't play well against – Oregon, but I think since then he's probably been our best defensive player. He's led us in tackles multiple times at that bullet position. He's a great open field tackler. And then the other one that I've been so impressed with, he wasn't even, you know, he was battling for a starting job. Didn't seem like he'd want it, but Cam Martinez, I feel like that kid is around the football constantly. I mean, every turnover the Buckeyes get, you know, the, the, Pick six Denzel Burke had the other other day. It, it in part happened because Cam Martinez was underneath, and it it affected how Vedral made the throw. Um, he almost had that interception on the fake punt. Uh, what what do you think of the the performance of those two young guys? Yeah, I would definitely put them and Denzel Burke as probably the shining spots of this D and Tyreek Williams too. It's just it's it's crazy. Like it, we never in a million years would have thought that they would have been the most impactful. Like I'm going to be totally honest. Like we do this podcast every week. I didn't know who Cam Martinez was prior to week two. Uh, you know, <laughs> other, other than just seeing his name in the depth chart, you know, like oh, C Martinez. Like who the hell is that? Probably some like three star recruit. Uh, you know, and and it's. It's just crazy how how that's evolved. I, I figured that Ronnie Hickman would be valuable, and it's kind of wild to think that how this defense is progressing. Imagine if Josh Proctor was was there too in the secondary. You know? Yeah. But the linebackers still suck, and that's, that's kind of a problem. Um, <laughs> like, like you could argue that defensive end is the most important position um, for a defense, and then the linebacker, you know, middle linebacker is probably the second most in, important. Uh, for a defense, and and I think we kind of are struggling in those two two fronts still. But hey, at least the secondary, the defensive tackles are coming together. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right about the linebackers. The, they're making strides, but certainly not where we would expect them to be. You know, kind of to this point so far. But man, Denzel Burke, I I cannot believe that kid. Been very you know pleasantly surprised with the secondary and. You know, to our listeners, I want to – Mike and I are saying all of this, and I want to just give a little disclaimer. We do realize it's against Akron and Rutgers, and so this team still has a ton to prove, but I feel like they're in the right direction. I want to take a quick second, Mike, and just talk about – you know know me. uh, I love the emotional, the the – yeah, almost spiritual side of the game. And, and I think more than anything, what is playing to this team's advantage right now is that after that Tulsa game, there is a lot of noise. This team's not very good. They don't have what it takes. Um, they're, they're the third best team in the Big Ten East. They're going to struggle. You know, they're, they're going to be lucky to win eight games. And I think that something happens when the, the dog that's on top starts to hear that noise. And, and so I think from what I've seen the last two weeks, this team's building confidence and they look like a team that's, 
especially last week, that's playing with something to prove. And I think that can be such a, a deadly combination. What do you think about that? I was thinking about that a lot, and I actually don't like how the national narrative is that Ohio State is coming around. I think we are the highest-ranked one-loss team right now. We're ahead of Michigan, who hasn't lost a game. We're ahead of Michigan State, who hasn't lost a game. Uh, you know, we're breathing down Cincinnati's neck, who has two decent, you know, uh, power five wins and they're undefeated. And I, I don't know, it just, it feels like we, it sounds crazy, but I think psychologically we might be peaking a little bit too soon because if we beat Maryland handedly, we beat Indiana handedly, all of a sudden we're going to go into that Penn state game. Who knows if Penn state's going to lose to Iowa, right? Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but we're going to be like a touchdown favorite against Penn state at home. And then I'm afraid that the, you know, it's like, Oh, Ohio state is back. And these guys who have worked so hard to fix these issues that they were heavily criticized for, I'm worried they're going to just assume that things are fixed. And when, we are headed towards the meaty part of the schedule, you know? And, and I think that because in 2014, when we did win the national championship, nobody was talking about us until we beat Michigan state. You know, I think we were six mm. or something going into that game. And then all of a sudden we crushed Michigan state on the road. Um, then, then the national narrative starts to swing around. But now if you look at like Vegas odds, Ohio state is actually expected to make the playoff. Mm, so almost afraid that the the boys are getting a little little bit too juiced up too quick. Exactly. After beating, as you were saying, Akron and Rutgers, like I think internally it's fine to have those discussions because, you know, you can, it's important to believe in yourself, but then Ryan Day could still point out like, look, you guys are like 15th right now. Nobody believes in you. Everyone still thinks you suck. But now if it, it, all these guys, these guys could turn on ESPN and it's like, all right, the playoff teams are going to be Ohio state, Georgia, Alabama. And then they're like, Oh, you know, like we're already penciled in, you know, and I'm, I'm afraid, I don't like mm. how the national narrative is, is so positive towards Ohio state right now after that, we didn't really do much. That's a, that's an interesting point. So if you're, if you're Ryan day, what are you doing to, I guess, avoid that? What, what, what do you do to, to keep a, a chip on this team's shoulder that, that really probably should be there? I think you just have to hope that Penn State and Michigan continue to win their games and Michigan State too, because I think it's a lot easier to convince yourself that you're the hunter and not the hunted if you're not the team who's undefeated, right? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if these kids are necessarily smart enough to, to know what the point, not smart enough, I shouldn't say that, but but uh, savvy enough to like know what the point spreads are. Cause we're definitely going to be favored against Penn state at home. I could tell you that it'll probably be like by a touchdown, but if Penn state's undefeated at that point and Penn state's a top three team and, you know, Ohio state is ranked fifth, we could still convince ourselves that we're the underdog. Right. And same thing, if Michigan sure. comes to the table and they're undefeated and we're going into the big house to play an undefeated Michigan team, that would actually be really cool. I would love to see that. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's easier to spin that narrative, but if all of a sudden Penn state has a loss and now Penn state drops to 10 and they just got crushed by Iowa and now Ohio state's in the top four. And I don't, when do the initial playoff, uh, like when do the, they, they come out like the initial rankings? I feel like it's not typically until like the first week in November. So it might still be about a month away. Maybe the, the, on the heels of that Penn state game, actually. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the first year they did it, it came out super early because I remember Mississippi state was, was number one and everyone was going oh. crazy. And then they lost by a hundred to Alabama. And Ole Miss was like top five. I'm pretty sure like those initial rankings, Alabama wasn't even in the top five, but there were still like four sec teams in it. Yeah. They had like seven of the top 11 or something crazy like that. Um, classic. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see. I think this will be a good test for Ryan Day too, because I think last year uh, it didn't matter that we didn't have that Ohio State was favored in all those games, and even the year before, because it's like you know uh, it was easier to convince them that they were the hunter because of how successful like Clemson and Alabama were towards the top, and we had a mission, right? Like last year, the mission was to get to the playoff and beat Clemson, so we had that focus all year long. But now I feel like this team is kind of like been preemptively kinged, uh, king of the Big Ten when they haven't really uh, done it yet. So it'll be interesting to see how Ryan Day psychologically can keep this team focused. I think it's something that Urban Meyer did pretty effectively over his seven years, and we'll see if Ryan Day can continue that and, and be able to win the psychological warfare. Who Urban Meyer. That's a, that's a story for another day, isn't it, Mike? A rough, rough patch for that guy. Yeah, I mean, he's going to – I think he's trying to get fired from uh, from the Jaguars at this point just so he could collect the check uh, or severance package. I, I think that's the only explanation. He, I, I don't blame him. I would want to do something like that because what he's doing right now, it ain't working. Yeah, that's for, that's for sure. I was rooting for him, too. It's too bad. Uh, I think uh, I'm no longer rooting for the Jaguars. Let's, I'll just put it that way. I don't even think Urban Meyer's rooting for the Jaguars at this point, so – uh, I'm certainly not. And Nate, let's so this this Maryland game. I mean, we're 21 point favorites. Uh, there's not much to talk about, like in in the granular details of the game. We were 14 point favorites over Rutgers, so it just shows like how much the narrative of this team has swung. Uh, Maryland looked good to start the year in classic Maryland fashion, and then they just got destroyed by Iowa at home. I think they're going to have like a little bit of a hangover from that. I expect that we're going to win this game convincingly. And also I think we Maryland's just been one of those teams that since they joined the big 10, we've just kind of had their number. They've never really given us a run for our money. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm with you here. Um, I think, you know, they have some talent underrated storyline that people aren't talking about with this game is that they're actually leading the big 10 in sacks. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. not just, not just the offense, but they do have some talent on the defensive side as well. Um, but all that's to say, I just, I'm with you. I don't, I don't really see how they're going to be able to compete. I think losing Demas is a really big deal. Now Ohio state can kind of really hone in and focus on, um, on Rakeem Jarrett. And so I, I'm, I am with you in saying that I don't think that this is going to be a particularly close ball game, especially at home. It's homecoming big weekend for the Buckeyes. I got the Buckeyes big. Exactly. I, I, I don't know if I like erase this game from my memory, but apparently in 2019, we beat them 73 to 14. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I don't know if you recall, but the year before with Dwayne Haskins, we barely beat them. I do remember that. Um, yeah. Very, very close ball game, barely beat them. And then I think like maybe, Maybe Mike Loxley made some sort of comment about that. I, I can't remember the details, but I know Ryan Day was trying to run up the score. They put they did that kind of like tricky little onside kick thing where 
Do you remember that? That like oh the some... like the like kick to the sidelines and Alave got it on a fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like almost like a a pass. It was beautiful. One of the coolest things I've ever seen on a kickoff before. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats in this game. It looks like we just pounded the ball like crazy. We had 56 carries for 383 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, Teague, Dobbins, Crowley, and McCall were all over 70 yards rushing. Uh, Holy just, cow. Yeah, even Chris Chuganov had 100 yards passing. Um, so even the backups. Chugmeister, huh? Yeah, even the backups were running. I mean, Maryland was bad that year. That They were three and seven. But uh, we've played Maryland six times since they joined the Big Ten, and we have never scored less than 49 points, which is kind of unbelievable. Wow. Wow. That's Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I look at this game, and, and I just think it's classic Maryland trying to compete with the big boys, and it's it's – it's almost like that thing, you know, where, Mike, you're kind of like, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> they, they think that they can play with us. That's kind of how I envision this game going. Um, I think the last week the the Buckeyes got new vision for their season, and I think last week Iowa re- received what's true about their football team this year. They just got shellacked. I'm embarrassed too. I picked I picked Maryland, um, and I know not, not we both did. Yeah, they they were they were winning in the first quarter for what it's worth. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see how that game plays out. Maryland defensively definitely struggles. It'll be interesting to see if because I believe uh, Tiger Viola got picked off what like three or four times against against Iowa. Um, let me see. Uh, five interceptions. Jeez, five. Wow. Yeah, five. I was gonna say. Uh, and he's been sacked quite a bit. Yeah, he wasn't sacked against Iowa, but um, against Kent State, Illinois, Howard, and West Virginia, um, he he was sacked seven times in those games. So, you know, it, uh, defensively, what I'm going to be looking for is whether we can generate pressure, especially from our defensive ends, whether we can continue to force turnovers and maybe turn those turnovers into points. That's obviously huge, and then ta- continue to tackle well in space. Those are those are kind of the three things that I the I'm, keys to the game. Yeah, for, for defensively. you and offensively, I think as long as we can move the football and, and kind of more the same, and CJ Stroud stays comfortable, uh, that's going to be what I'm looking for for us on offense. I think my key to this game, Mike, is just that Ohio State doesn't let Maryland stick around. I think that this is the type of team that. If you do what Iowa did and you get them down early, they yeah. will crumble. They, they're not, I don't think that they're a very mentally tough team. I don't, you know, I think Mike Loxley is he's fine, but I don't think he's like a, a particularly mentally tough coach. And so I think if you can get this team down early, I think they really will kind of crumble. Um, so I think that's, that's the name of the game. If Ohio State can have a, a start, anything close to what they had a week ago, they're going to be just fine. Uh, Nate, let's uh, let's play a quick little game here in in, in the national landscape, and I'm just going to ask you, like, which of these teams would you take, right? Like, which team do you think? Yeah. Because uh, I think that in general, the national conversation has grouped teams in different tiers. I think Alabama and Georgia are considered the one A, one B. They both convincingly beat top 12 SEC teams this past weekend. But who do you think is better in a vacuum, Alabama or Georgia? I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna say Georgia, um, and and the reason for that, 
I'm still trying to figure out myself. But I, I just – I don't know if I'm sold on Alabama. That Georgia defense is nasty. And I think if those te- two teams were to play head-to-head, I think that that Georgia defense is so angry that they would – they you know, they've, they've almost beaten Alabama so many times. I think they'd rise to the occasion. So I think as it stands right now, I would take Alabama's um, – or I would take Georgia's defense before I would take Alabama's offense, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess it's sort of like what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, um, you know. Right, right. And I I would tend to probably go to Alabama because I just feel like the way the rules are in modern college football, if this is 2002, give me Georgia all day long. But I think a good offense beats a good defense most of the time. Uh, who do you? I guess we'll find out this answer this this weekend coming up um, with Penn State traveling to Iowa. Iowa short favorite, just a just a point and a half. This is this one's supposed to be a low scoring game. The over under is only forty one points. Uh, do you like the Nittany Lions here or the Hawkeyes? This one's funny because typically I would say I take Penn State. Um, I think Penn State just has more talent, but I think this specific weekend playing at Iowa. I feel like that four o'clock window is just peak. Like most teams play best at eight o'clock. Iowa plays best at four. Uh, and so I think that this particularly particular weekend, excuse me, I think Iowa is going to be the better team, but I think grand scheme long-term, I would take Penn state as a better team. Are you rooting for Penn state or Iowa here? Cause I think we, I think we need Penn State to stay undefeated for us to stay motivated in that big matchup against them. I think Iowa is going to come out of the Big Ten West anyway. They'll probably be a top 10 team if they win the rest of their game. So, and I don't think we necessarily need the resume points. You know, like if Ohio State wins out, we'll probably get in anyway. So I would personally Mm. think I'm rooting for Penn State here. I can't believe I'm saying that, but. Sean Clifford for a second time, Mike. I feel like I don't even know you. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm with you. I don't think it matters a whole bunch either way because the, the likely scenario is that Ohio State's going to play both these teams. I think I'm just going to root and hope that it's a good, close football game. Um, so even if Penn State does lose, you know, we're talking a, a three-point loss and then Penn State can go and, and beat Michigan. But other, I, like you said, I want the, the rest of their schedules, I want these teams to win out. And then another team, well, another two teams that I want to talk about that are sort of in the same grouping. I think Oklahoma and Michigan, both teams, national brands that a lot of people have criticized. Oklahoma can't really run the ball. Their defense is struggling. I think Michigan, even though they did win at Wisconsin, that game did look shaky early on. And, uh, you know, I think Wisconsin is just terrible, right? So the fact that that game was even close, uh, even though I did pick Wisconsin, I, I regret that one as well. So Oklahoma. <laughs> I did Texas, too. Oklahoma at Texas, Michigan at Nebraska, both favorites are favored by three. Who do you think is more likely to get knocked off here, the Sooners or the Wolverines? I think this weekend the more likely team to lose is Oklahoma. Um, Texas seems to be playing well. It seems like they found a little bit of identity with um, Casey Thompson, their quarterback, instead of uh, Hudson Card, I believe was his name. So I think that they're finding some identity on that offense. Bijan Robinson, um, I think, is the 
leader in the clubhouse for the Heisman Trophy to this point. I don't know if everyone else would agree with me, but I think he's been the most important to that team. Um, and I just I'm, – I'm not going to let myself go there with Nebraska. I just kind of refuse. I mean, how many times do we have to hear, well, th- this might be the time Nebraska gets that signature win under Scott Frost, and it never happens. And so I'm just for – the, for the sake of my heart, Mike, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I'm going to make a little bit of a case for Nebraska here. They're undefeated at home this year, and all their losses on the road because they're 3-3 three and three, have been close. You know, Illinois opening – opening game they were favored they lost by eight on the road they played Oklahoma really tough on the road they only lost by seven Michigan State on the road they only lost by three so I don't know and I feel like Michigan is still fraudulent I don't want to pick against Michigan every week and and just look like a massive homer but I just but on the other side of it though it's like Harbaugh is usually really good as a favorite and really bad as an underdog and here I feel like he might you know just beat down Nebraska but I don't know. And this is another thing that sounds crazy. Has Michigan on their schedule played a better quarterback than Adrian Martinez? I cannot believe I'm saying that, but have they? Hmm. Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, Graham Mertz certainly is not it. No. Yeah. You, you, there may be some, some odd truth to that. There may be some. So are, are you going to go as far as to say you're picking the Huskers to win this weekend? Um, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I think Nebraska <laughs> and Texas are both going to win, to be honest. I don't believe in Oklahoma. Uh, and, and like you're saying, I think Texas can win that game with a lot of ball control. Uh, Texas always plays Oklahoma tough. I think they've covered seven of mm-hmm. the last 10 meetings in the Cotton Bowl at the Red River Showdown or Shootout. I think it used to be the Shootout, right? They changed it to the Shootout. Yeah, but, you know, Shootout was offensive, so they, you know, they switched it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. God. God forbid we we offend anyone with that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think one of the teams definitely goes down. Last week I predicted that Oregon would go down to Stanford. I feel like it's going to be a similar situation here. I don't know if Michigan can deal with the pressure of being a top ten team on the road. That one's in prime time too. I think the Nebraska fans. I look if Scott Frost is ever going to win a big game, I think this is his chance. This is this is it. Okay. So you're calling it. I like it. I like that you're willing to go there. I, lo- I love that. I I think that when it comes down to Michigan and and uh, Oklahoma, I think it just comes down to that I trust Lincoln Riley more than I trust Jim Harbaugh. Um, I don't think either, you know, I, I don't think Oklahoma is a, a particularly good team. I think they may need to make a change at quarterback. Um, but – uh, yeah, I, I I think that I trust Lincoln Riley before I trust Jim Harbaugh. And that kind of goes to show how bad the quarterback play has been this year, right? Like Spencer Rattler was considered by many to be the number one overall pick in next year's draft. Same with Sam Howell. He was kind of a name that everyone was talking about. Spencer Rattler's looked kind of overrated. Sam Howell's looked terrible. Like I have no idea who who the number one quarterback of next year's draft is going to be. It might even be like that guy from Liberty, Malik Willis, uh, who Malik Willis I never even heard about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that brings up an interesting question, Mike. Who do you think is the front runner for the Heisman Trophy? 
I'm going with what you said. I think it's B. John Robinson, the former Ohio State recruit. Uh, and I think that it could have been Travion Henderson if we gave him more carries, but I think we're certainly trying to put him on a little bit of a uh, bulk, like a, I guess a carry limit early on. Bryce Young right. just get it by default being, you know, the, the quarterback of the of the number one ranked team. But it's an interesting situation because the top four teams at the top don't have like a really a super dynamic offensive player. So I don't know if you just give it to Bryce right. like to, by default. Oh, that would that would just break my heart. As an as an Ohio State podcast, how far off would you say Travion Henderson is from inserting himself inside that top four discussion for the Heisman Trophy, or even C.J. Stroud for that matter. Ooh, I think C.J. Stroud has probably been too criticized by the national media. I think that the narrative right now is that Ohio State's like run game and skill position, and also they're not going to like give C.J. Stroud credit when he's got the two best receivers in the country that he's throwing to. Um, sort true, of like Matt true. Jones and Devontae Smith last year. Like they ended up giving it to Devontae Smith. But I tell you what, if, if Travion Henderson runs for 100 yards against Maryland and Indiana, which isn't asking for too much, and then against Penn State, we see him just completely tote the rock for like 30 carries for 200 plus yards against that very good defense, and we win that game, and Ohio State's a top four team at that point, that's when I think the alarm bells come off and they're like, okay, this, this guy is special. He might win the Heisman. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. If he can have a big game or two, like you're saying, against a, a premier defense, I think that name's going to start getting really sexy. Which has, has – I know we've had plenty of redshirt freshmen now win the Heisman Trophy for a long time. That was a big deal. Um, Johnny Football broke that. Has a true freshman ever won the Heisman Trophy? I can't think of any off the top of my head, right? Uh, no, I don't think Not, so. Man, that would be – I mean, he's special. We, we got to hope that he stays healthy, and, you know, we'll see how opposing teams kind of play him and, and, and defend him. Um, but I, I don't think he by any means is, is too far off in that conversation. I want to just quickly talk about maybe a couple other games this weekend that we care about Michigan state traveling to Rutgers. I think this is a really tough spot for Rutgers because we just kind of beat them down. I think their confidence might be feeling (laughs) low, but I don't know, Michigan, they're only a five and a half point underdog at home. It's a 12 o'clock game. Michigan state. I've been impressed with what they've done. Mel Tucker. I think they've been very, uh, pragmatic in their offensive strategy. They don't turn the ball over just one interception the entire season for Peyton Thorne. I, I don't know. I, I think Rutgers could possibly pull the upset, but I'm going to pick Michigan state. Do, do you have any idea who Michigan state plays next week? Uh, I'll tell you right now um, they are playing Indiana. So this is the way it sets up for Michigan state, which is kind of interesting. And I think this is good for us. If they beat Rutgers in Indiana, they travel home to Michigan, and we know Harbaugh's issues with Michigan State. Uh, and then they play Purdue in Maryland. It, it sounds crazy. Wow. It's totally possible that Michigan State comes into Columbus on November 20th, the week before the Michigan game. Undefeated. Undefeated, yeah. That would be, that would be insane. Wow. That, yeah, that would be nuts. I, I, I guess that I'm – and then they play Penn State week the last week right correct okay 
Yeah, I it, it doesn't feel like a trap game for me. Them playing Rutgers, I think I'm with you. I think, I, I think unfortunately that that is a brutal three game stretch for Rutgers. Just the physicality of playing a Michigan and Ohio State, and even a Michigan State who's really running the football three straight weeks. I just don't know how a team can kind of get up for that again, even emotionally. I I think. Rutgers probably loses fairly handily. And and at that point, Shiano's just trying to make sure the wheels don't fall off. I don't I, – I actually don't – I don't know how this Big Ten's going to play out. It's so interesting because Michigan like, – sure, you want to say, like, it probably will come down to Ohio State and Michigan the last week of the year. But I don't think that's necessarily the case because Michigan has a lot of, lo- a lot of losable games on their schedule uh, at Nebraska, at Michigan State, at Penn State – at Maryland, even the week before Ohio State, like it's possible that Michigan comes into that Ohio State game with two losses. And if that's the case, you know, basically the Big Ten East would be wrapped up in theory. For sure. And I mean, that's what we that's what we said going into the season. I feel like we looked at this Michigan schedule and I mean, I, a lot of people thought they could lose as many as four or five football games. And so I think the the same still holds true. They've got a lot of tough games still to go. So we're going to see who exactly Harbaugh has made this team to be. Um, but I'm with you. I, I did want to – maybe you're already planning to, to talk about this game, Mike, but I did want to ask your thoughts, opinions on Texas A&M and Alabama. I said going into the season – and have just about every week. Texas A&M is grossly overrated. Um, I kind of think that they always will be a, you know, what could have been program in college football. But do you think that they have any shot at pulling an upset against the Crimson Tide this weekend? Zero. Uh, No chance. I think Ole Miss had a bit. If Alabama was going to get tripped up in the regular season, uh which is highly unlikely. I think it would have been against Ole Miss just because Ole Miss had the offensive firepower to kind of keep up with them. We saw that last year um, when I think, what, they put up like 42 or 49 points against the Crimson Tide. But Alabama just doesn't lose these games to Texas A&M ever since Johnny football. Uh, Alabama only loses to LSU like once every six years, it feels like, and it takes like a miracle like the Joe Burrow team. Alabama has Arkansas's number. And, you know, actually – if it's one game that they would could potentially lose, it may be the Iron Bowl. Uh, mm. I hate Bo Nix. I think he's awful. But he's Auburn has given Alabama some trouble at home uh, over the years or in that Iron Bowl game. But it won't even matter. You know, Alabama could lose to Auburn and, and still beat Georgia the following week to get into the playoff. Can I just say how nauseating this is? Let's take a year ago. And, and Penn State's really struggling, and Michigan's really struggling. And, and I'll, I'll be the first to say, I don't think they were good football teams a year ago. And, and the Big Ten gets criticized. It's, it's so bad. Even the powers aren't any good anymore. But let's, let's go over to the SEC West for a second. I mean, are, are Arkansas and Ole Miss really good football teams? Because I don't tend to think that they are. I don't think a, a home win for Arkansas over Texas A&M is an impressive win this season. Is it an impressive win in the scope of that Arkansas program? Yeah, absolutely. But but do you see what I mean? I feel like there's just such a, a double standard 
the the SEC West is deep now because Ole Miss and, and Arkansas beat some of the not great teams in that league. I just feel like it doesn't work the same for for the Big Ten. Am I am I off base in that? I think the Big Ten. Um, I, I think I agree with what you're saying, but I think that the Big Ten receives the next benefit of the doubt. I would say. Like, I think that what you're saying is true, but also you could say the same thing about Michigan State. Like, they really haven't beaten anyone, but they're a top 11 team versus, like, mm. I don't think the ACC gets any benefit of the doubt, and rightfully so, because, you know, what delineates – Like Wake Forest or something. Exactly. Like, what delineates Wake Forest versus Michigan State? Nothing. They're both 5-0, and and they've beaten crap teams. But Wake Forest is 19, and Michigan State's 11. And the Big Ten, like, you know – I, I guess you could say it's rejuvenated, especially with the way Penn State and Iowa have looked this year, because we do have the most, uh, we have five teams in the top 11. So that's pretty good. And a lot of those teams, I know Penn State and Iowa are playing this week, but you know, it, regardless of who loses that game, they're probably not going to drop out of the top 10 because you, know, you, you don't get penalized too much for losing to a good team. Assuming Michigan and Michigan State keep winning, you know, we could have five top 10 teams uh, going into potentially the first week that they release the college football playoff. So I think that the Big Ten, sure, Alabama and Georgia are the kings of college football, no doubt about that, but you got to drop all the way to 13 to find the next SEC team. So I think the Big mm. Ten is a little bit deeper at the top right now. Okay. I, I, I tend to agree. I think that the Big Ten East is the best division in, in college football right now. Um, before we do go, Mike, I did want to ask your thoughts. I, I feel like we're just lots of national landscape talk today, um, which is good. It's a big weekend, but I, I know for sure I picked Notre Dame to beat Cincinnati a week ago. That did not happen. In fact, Cincinnati looked like the better football team. Are the Bearcats for real? Uh, I think so, but I don't think they're going to get it, – it's going to really, really – I look, I'm what I'm rooting for is for Cincinnati to make the committee members uh, show that they're frauds, right? And I think that the, the Power 5 conference – I know you're not a big fan of the group of five teams, and I'm not necessarily, but I think that – they should at least be given a chance. Like I would hate to see a uh, two loss Oregon, for example, get the nod over Cincinnati. And I think that that could totally happen. Like, I think it's going to be Alabama, Georgia, but then do they put in Cincinnati at, at the four spot or do they put in a two loss Oklahoma, a two loss Oregon, you know, like what do they do after that? Or a one loss non power five champion. I think that, or a non Sorry, a power five non-champion is what I meant to say. So I don't know. I, I think Cincinnati is for real. I think that they scheduled – I respect that they scheduled out-of-conference teams. They did really well last year too. I like Luke Fickle. I'm, I'm kind of rooting for the Bearcats. Oh, are you really? Yeah. I mean, Luke Fickle, he's an Ohio State guy, you know. I, it's different That's true. I guess it's sort of different for you because you live in Ohio. So maybe there's more like Cincinnati fans that, you know, that are like chirping at your ear. I, I don't live there. So I, I don't hear like the, the local talk per se. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, look, I'd rather. What about the here. chance, man? Uh, well, chance I know, I would love to see them in, but I mean, they're just like, you know, unfortunately they're just like way too buried. Um, mm. I don't know. Like, would you rather see Cincinnati or Oklahoma in the, in the playoffs? Yeah. Right? That's true. I mean, I think the probably a very realistic thing that could happen right now is that 
it, it, it's probably going to be Alabama and Georgia both. Mm-hmm. And then a Big Ten team, hopefully Ohio State, and it could be just that. Ohio, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati, which I, would be kind of cool for the state of Ohio to have two teams in it. Um, I think Cincinnati would probably get exposed on that level. But I, I can at least entertain, Mike, the thought of, of rooting on the Bearcats, I suppose, in the name of Luke Fickle. I, you know, I look at their schedule. They play tonight, Friday night against Temple. Um, that should be a win. They play UCF next week at noon. That's, that's probably their only shot at losing the rest of the way, unless they stumble. I think, and I think UCF's quarterback also Dylan Gabriel might be hurt as well. I'm not sure what the status mm-hmm. is there, but I heard that. Uh, yeah, it's you just have to think of like relative terms, right? Like, sure, you're not rooting for Cincinnati in a vacuum, but if they play Alabama, you're obviously going to be rooting for Cincinnati, you know. Or if it's if the discussion is between Cincinnati and Oklahoma, or Cincinnati and Oregon, or you know, you're probably going to want Cincinnati to get the nod uh, just because of like the relative. But I tell you what. It would really suck if Ohio State and another Big Ten team, like, man, would the committee put, have the balls to put in two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams at the top? Like, Oh, my word. That would be nuts. There would have to be, like, an upheaval, right? Well, okay, what happened? Then here's the argument. Do you put in a one-loss Penn State with their only loss being at Columbus at four? Like, let's say Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and then at the four spot, do you put in Penn State? Or do you put in uh, a two-loss Oklahoma or a two-loss Oregon? I'm I'm not doing a two-loss Oklahoma or Oregon. I'll tell you that much. But people would hate, people would hate like it, it would suck for the Pac-12 to get shut out again. But hey, it's not our fault. You can't. You're yeah. You're probably right. It feels. It. I mean, we can all but solidify that. Georgia and Alabama are both going to be in the college football playoff. I just don't see those teams stumbling multiple times. And then I feel like you can about solidify a Big Ten team. And then you're right. After that, it's going to come down to a second Big Ten team, a probably very likely a two-loss Big 12, Pac-12, ACC team. I mean, Oklahoma State's still undefeated, but or Cincinnati. And so – or maybe Coastal Carolina, for Pete's sake. Nate, here's a team I think that is off the radar that I think is actually going to be firmly on the radar and may have a legitimate chance at the top four. Arizona State. Mm, and really? What, I, I know nothing about Arizona State. <laughs> here's my pitch. Uh, they're in the Pac-12, which the Pac-12 is trash, but their one loss was at BYU. BYU is all of a sudden turned into a top-10 team. They just beat UCLA, who was a top-25 team, on the road. The rest of the year, a bunch of unranked opponents, and then they would face, in theory, Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. Arizona State sits at 22 right now. So, hey, what happens if they win their next seven games in convincing fashion? They kind of slowly work their way up, and all of a sudden there's like, you know, they're playing Oregon. It's like an eight versus nine Pac-12 championship game. If they win that game, they can say like, oh, we're a one-loss Power 5 champion who our only loss was against the BYU oh, team. Pretty good. That I don't know if you could hear me like audibly groan, but the thought of Arizona State in the, in the college football playoff makes me want to die. 
Yeah, they're that not. That sounds not, awful. Herm Edwards, man. He's, he's rebuilt the program. Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. <laughs> anyway, as you're saying, a lot of national talk. We'll circle back and finish this out. Ohio State, Maryland. Prediction, we're favored by 21 points. Ohio State uh, has gotten back on the schneid the last two weeks by covering the last two games. Uh, who do you like in this one, cover-wise? I'm going to take the Buckeyes to win and to cover. I think that it kind of like I said, from the start, I don't know if it's quite as quick of a start as a week ago against uh, Rutgers, but I do think it's a quick start, and the Buckeyes kind of put Maryland to bed quickly. I'm going to pick the Buckeyes to win 42-14. to 14. Okay, I'm going to go with 52-21. to 21. I think we're going to break 50 again. I think it's that's kind of be going to become a – like a, a threshold, I guess, for Ohio State to hit. I think Ryan Day is a source of pride. I think he wants his offense to hit 50 points every week. And then I think defensively, as long as we're playing like Maryland and Indiana, I think the goal is going to be limited to them to a couple touchdowns. Maybe they get another one in garbage time. But I think in general, we're going to play well. I think playing home. And I think one thing you can't underestimate is the feeling of on this Ohio State team has totally turned around. Like we went to a situation that – Tulsa game was one of the lowest attendance in the, in the last 10 years, uh, you know, for Ohio state home games. Yeah. Since that game, Akron Rutgers, the feeling is just generally better. I think there's going to be more of a home crowd. And I feel like uh, that's and CJ Stroud being healthy certainly has everyone more optimistic. Feels like hope springs eternal. 